it sounds really simplistic, but that's really all it is, is, you know, when, when, when people want to give you their attention, it's very, very important that you spend the time and the energy to, to give it back to them and to, you know, really treat people equally and with honesty and, and dignity and respect. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 98. I could not be more excited to share with you today's guest. Now, I first met him at the VIP reception that was preceding a social media conference that I was invited to speak at. Now, at this reception, it was announced that we would be seeing the screening of a film starring another one of the event's speakers. That film was none other than 50 States, 100 Days, The Film, a documentary that chronicles the life-changing adventure that my guest Chris Strub took to work with nonprofits nationwide in the summer of 2015. Chris also authored 50 States, 100 Days, the book, and is today known as the Giving Day Guy, partnering with communities of nonprofits around the United States to help them use live streaming video to connect in real time with their audiences during 24-hour online giving days. Beyond his work with nonprofits, Chris is a sought-after speaker, a Forbes contributor, and is widely known as an expert on creating engagement through organic social media. In today's episode, you're going to hear some value-packed tips and advice for how to leverage social media in your business. And you're also going to hear all about the difference and you know, really the profound impact that Chris is making through his passion for giving. Now, if you stick around till the end, you'll also hear a um, special bonus clip from Chris with an ask that he has for you if you are listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, July 29th. And without further ado, here is my inspiring conversation with Chris Strub. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to have you here. It's so great to chat again. It was so lovely to meet you in Rockford. So glad we could share that film experience together and share a stage. And uh, now we can share yet another experience here on your awesome podcast. Yes. Well, I was just blown away by your presentation at that event, Social Rock, as well as by the film. And you know, in reading the book, I just knew that I had to have you on the show. And so you know, let's dive in, Chris. Set the stage for us first. You know, what was life like for you growing up? And what was the mindset around money and success and giving that was instilled in you? You know, it's a great question to start out. You know, I'm very, very blessed to have been raised by an incredible family. You know, my mom, and I, I know you mentioned you read the book. The book is dedicated to my mom. Um, which was hilarious. She actually, uh, she told me, Chris, you can go on this, this 50 state adventure, but you better write a book about it and you better dedicate that book to me. And then <laughs> I did. Um, so that was a pretty special feeling uh, for me and for her. Um, but, you know, I was just always raised to, to try and treat people the way you like to be treated and, and, you know, treat people with dignity and respect and, and honesty. And, and, you know, I don't think that the uh, incorporation of social media into our lives should change that. You know, you want to apply all all these uh, these childhood principles to our, our adult lives now. You know, when somebody reaches out to you, or I, I try and reach back. 
you know, or if somebody sends you a message, I, I'll write back to them right away. And I, I think that's, it sounds really simplistic, but that's really all it is, is, you know, when, when, when people want to give you their attention, it's very, very important that you spend the time and the energy to, to give it back to them and to, you know, really treat people equally and with honesty and, and dignity and respect. And so that, that, that really hopefully comes across in the, in the book as well, you know, that it's, if there was, if there was any sort of shred of, discriminatory nature or anything like that in my heart, there's no way you could, you could ever complete a project like this. So, so I think those morals are what's most important. Now, money is a whole nother question though. I was raised, I think like, like most of us, you know, around our age, you know, to, to work hard and, and to earn what you get. You know, I studied economics in college. And so I've always been sort of um, a fiscal conservative, if you will. I've always been in favor of working hard and, and making more money based on how hard you work. So that's kind of, I think, what drives me as well is, is that when I, when I put more time and energy and, and effort into what I'm doing, I, I hope that there's a larger return. And I hope, I hope accordingly for the nonprofits that are uh, investing in their marketing efforts and everything, that that comes back to them as well. So well, it's, a, it's a big question. It is. Well, and I love, I mean, you're dropping value like right from the start here. Because I think what you said about, you know, when someone wants to engage with you, you know, engage back, treat it like real life. I think it's easy to forget sometimes that there are real people behind all of these, you know, internet handles. And even like for me, I'll give the example, like when I first started this podcast, you know, you can get discouraged at the beginning. You know, you want your download numbers to be, you know, as big as you think everyone else's are. And, you know, maybe in the start, if you see, you know, I got, I got 15 downloads or 20 downloads on this episode, you know, it's so important to remember that's 20 individual human beings who took half an hour out of their day to listen to me talk. You know, that's a big deal. And so I think that's just so important to remember, regardless of the stage you're at in your journey. It, it's a huge deal. And I think, you know, the way that our relationship was formed is, is the right way, right? You know, that I get, I have outreach from people and I've done a, a bunch of different podcasts and it's always great. You know, when people hear your story and, and uh, it's, it's humbling and it's a blessing to be invited to speak. But, you know, as we talked about, you and I met first in person, you know, and I didn't know that, uh, you know, you had a podcast that I would eventually be invited on. And, and that's the way it should be, I think, right? Is, is we're out there interacting and, and engaging, and I'm using air quotes now on the Zoom call, but, you know, we actually met and forged a friendship in real life that led to this conversation. And I think, you know, you can already tell just in the first five minutes of this conversation that we're people who know each other, we have interacted and, and, we are real people speaking to real people. It's not just, oh, like this guy's got a lot of followers. Let me see if I can, you know, grab him to, to, to do an interview. No, like we sat next to each other all day at Social Rock, <laughs> We're, like talking to each other and having lunch. And that's really to me what it's all about. And I think that's part of what's driven me to be so participatory and be so active in these types of conversations is I've been blessed to travel to a lot of these events over the years and, and make a lot of friends uh, as, as you and I have over the last month. Totally. I mean, it's absolutely critical. And that really just shines a light on the power of going to events, uh, you know, going to these, these places where you're going to put yourself in that position to be able to meet people in person and in real life. But, you know, I'm curious, you, Chris, like you're really known as someone who is, 
is an expert at creating relationships with people through social media. And so I'm curious your answer to this. If maybe someone's at the position where, you know, they've they've recently started a business, maybe they, you know, they aren't yet doing a lot of travel, you know, they're they're not able to go to a lot of events. How can we leverage the power of social media to form real connections with people that could potentially lead to, you know, something like this or business opportunities, whatever it might be? Well, I'm going to pick carefully at the premise of the question about needing to travel to events. You know, I was in Lima, Ohio this week, and a lot of us traveled there to speak at Social Media Week Lima, which is a great event year after year. But most of the crowd there were business owners in Lima, Ohio. And Lima, if you don't know it, is it's smaller than Rockford, Illinois, where you and I met. I grew up riding horses like right down the road from Lima. <laughs> right. So... Yeah. You know, to um, have someone like Jessica Phillips who's put together an event there that 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 brings people to you is, is one way to do it. You know, but I think that there's a lot of opportunities to create you know something like a LinkedIn local or a LinkedIn local meetup. You know, things like that where um, there are people who are local to your community. It's just a matter of putting your ear to the ground on social media, whether it's on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or you want to create a Facebook group and invite your, your friends who are local and start there. And when you start to see the return on your investment locally, then you start to, to, to sniff around a little bit and say, oh, well, you know, this conference is only an hour away or you know, this is just you know, two and a half hour drive. I can do it in a day. Stuff like that. You, know, you don't have to start out on the, the Chris Strub path of going to every conference you can find all around the country to get a return. You know, as you mentioned, even with just you know, a couple of people that are listening to your podcast, if you got your podcast listeners together at some point, I'm sure that'd be a really magical experience. Because you come together over that that shared sort of uh, context, you know, of listening to, to Dorothy's podcast. So it's it, it all goes back to the idea that we are all famous to a few people, and we shouldn't be intimidated by seeing these larger events and forget that even a, an event where you're meeting one or two people might be just as powerful for you in the long run. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, so let's change gears a little bit because I want to give people the the context around this book and this film and and really the story of of what you did with your 50 states 100 days adventure. So, could you share, you know, how this idea was inspired and, you know, the kinds of organizations that you volunteered with on that trip? Sure. So, quickly, contextually, uh, in the summer of 2015, um, I quit my job here here uh, in Greenville, South Carolina actually. And I visited nonprofits in all 50 U.S. states in 100 days, drove a 2007 Honda Accord that we called the Honda Hotel. And as, as Dorothy knows, because she saw the film, uh, the trip was really inspired by uh, an opportunity that I had to volunteer with an organization called Pay Away the Layaway, which was founded by uh, my very good friend and my college RA, Lee Karshauer, and Pay Away the Layaway through the power of its donors, uh, pays off layaway plans for families in need around the, uh, around the United States, um, especially during the holiday season. And that experience uh, changed my life. That one day, up at a Walmart, uh, up near in upstate South Carolina, I said, I, am, I need more of that in my life. That was incredible. I just helped change these families' lives. And I know that I'm young. I can travel. I have these gifts to, to share stories. And I just want to go. Why not? Right? A lot, of people, a lot of people, I think, as they get older, they start to ask why they would do something. And, and you know, again, not to give away the beginning of the film, but I just kind of asked myself, why not go? What's stopping me? And the answer was nothing. So 
you know, it was really, it was an interesting journey, of course. You know, I worked with um, 60 different uh, youth-related organizations around the country. They were all pretty different, although I worked with a number of chapters of, say, Big Brothers Big Sisters, including uh, up in Peoria. I worked with the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA, but I also worked with a lot of um, local organizations like Opportunity Village in Las Vegas and True Colors and LGBTQ organization in Hartford. I see Dorothy's nodding because she just read through the book. So now you're you're familiar with all of these names and all the organizations. And that's the exact idea, right? Is I don't necessarily want to inspire people to go travel all around to 50 states or whatever. What I would love to do is to open up the reader's eyes to the different types of organizations that are out there within their own communities and around the country. Well... I can say you have certainly um, you've certainly done that because after reading your book, I literally last night submitted an application to be a big sister. Um, oh. So and and that was just a hundred percent because of your book. So um, <laughs> yeah. you didn't you didn't tell me that before we started recording. Oh well, now you're going to make me cry. Um, that that is exactly why I do what I do, and I'm sorry to get emotional about it, but I am really grateful and humbled to hear that um, that. Um, you know, I hope that the local chapter listens to this and approves your application, of course, but <laughs> um, that is incredibly special and just really, really meaningful to me. And um, that is exactly why I do what I do. I didn't know what Big Brothers Big Sisters was before I went on this trip. And, you know, they have chapters all around the United States. And honestly, some of the smaller chapters around the country have struggled a little bit. Um, in chapter 48, you read about Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central West Virginia. And actually, they closed down last year, and it was heartbreaking when I saw that headline. And it's people like you, Dorothy, that take action on on what they hear and what they see in front of them that make all of this worth it. So now I'm crying. I'm going to have to <laughs> clear it up, take a sip of water, and we'll we'll pound through the rest of the podcast. But that is so special to hear. Thank you. You're welcome, and you know I appreciate it. I think Chris, there's a lesson in this for everyone listening, which is that. When you give out loud, you inspire other people. I think there is this perception and you know where it comes from, who knows, but there's this perception that um you know when you give, you should just you should do it in secret. You know, you you shouldn't um you, you shouldn't boast about giving or you shouldn't um you, you know shout out about, you know, what you did in in giving. But I think the problem with that is that when you give in the dark, you can't inspire anyone versus, you know, the fact that you, you went on this journey, you volunteered, you contributed to all of these organizations with your time, your energy, your heart, your soul. And then you wrote a book about it to share that with the world. And now, you know, who knows? What's going to come of that? I mean, I you know I took an action step, but how many other people have taken action steps because of this content that you put out there? So you know, I think it's just an important reminder of why there is so much power in giving out loud. I think it's so important to remember um, that this is this book is about my journey, but it's really about the people that I met along the way, and as you just referenced. You know, it's not just the the, the givers that uh, tend to do their work in secret. It's it's the executors. It's the people that are running these organizations who are shy about accepting the the spotlight or wanting even to have their stories told sometimes. And that's that's how I've seen my role. You know, since before the trip even started, and it's been you know four years now to circle back to a conversation like this and and say, 
that what I created has that lasting power. And you know, I said during the trip, Dorothy, that uh, I thought it would be at least 10 years until the world really recognized what we accomplished in 2015. That the more I travel around, the more I talk about the book, the more conversations we have like this, the deeper an impact we can have. And I know that, that at some, you know, some point, you know, I expect that the book is going to become pretty powerful and pretty successful because I know that it can have the impact as it did on you uh, when, when you read through it. It's, it's so important. And this is what I try and emphasize, you know, through the giving day work that I do as well, right? That on a giving day, when it's time to open up and, and contribute to these nonprofits, that they need to be there as well. And they need to show their face and they need to, to talk about the work that they're doing so that those of us who are out there who are fortunate enough to be able to support them know what exactly they're supporting. Yeah. And, you know, I think when it comes to these organizations, you know, people who are out there doing good in the world, being able to, you know, spread their mission and, and bring people into their cause, storytelling is such an important piece of this. And I know that you, Chris, you have a background in newspapers. And in the book, you talked about how, you know, a huge part of the success of this 100 day trip came from your ability to understand what makes a story compelling for local media. So could you share, you know, what are some of those elements? Oh, yeah. So when I traveled around the the States, again, I didn't work with a PR company of any kind. I was the the PR company as well as the driver, the photographer, the videographer. It was tricky, but the PR stuff I'm pretty comfortable with. And it's, it's rather simple. I think it's about, you know, the human to human connection. So I think had I, uh, you know, prepared a boilerplate um, template, you know, to send out about the trip, that doesn't cut it. So, you know, during that very limited amount of time that I had to sit in a hotel room or even in the backseat of the car and write some emails or even place a couple quick phone calls, it was to emphasize the local element of the story as much as possible. You know, to be honest with you, uh, the people at the, uh, the Rockford Register Star or, uh, you know, name the newspaper, Ultimately, the people in Milwaukee or the people in, uh, you know, name the city, they don't really care that you've, you've been everywhere else. They care that you're there and they care that you're there now, you know, thus the name of my company, I am here, right? Like when you are investing your time and your energy locally, that's what matters the most. You know, and then you can you can step back and talk more about the the broader scope of the project and where you've been and all of that stuff. But you know, the whole goal of all of this local news outreach was to say, hey, look, it's day nine. I'm working with Eat South in Montgomery, Alabama tomorrow. This trip, this 50 state trip, is going to give you at the Montgomery Advertiser the opportunity to come in and speak to the people from Eat South about what they do because I'm there. And it worked brilliantly. It was fantastic. It, it, and I honestly think it worked best because I was the one pushing out all this PR. I think if I had a PR firm, it probably would have come off a little more sterile. You know, if I'm, if I'm typing you a, a handwritten note on my iPhone from the backseat of my car and then I'm driving into Madison, Wisconsin the next day, you know, here we are. You know, this, this, this is newsworthy. This is a story. This is a story of perseverance. This is a story of someone following his dream. And more importantly, it's a story that celebrates the nonprofits in their community and really brought attention to them. 
Well, so I'm curious to ask you, because I think the majority of the listeners of, of this podcast are, are typically you know, online business owners. And so I'm curious, you know, how can business owners who you know, don't have a physical location in their community, how can they leverage the power of storytelling you know, both with media and with their own content? Well, I think, you know, in 2019 and honestly, really in 2014, 15, 16, it starts with video, right? It starts with getting your face out there. You know, people want to connect with people. People want to support businesses that are both local. So, you know, your specific question asks, you know, without a, a location that people can visit, but, you know, wherever you may be, you know, people want to support business owners or, or other entrepreneurs within their own community, right? That's exactly what Social Rock was all about, right? Was, you know, Lauren Davis preaching over and over and over again, how important it is to support the businesses in Winnebago County, for example, right? And, and that's critical everywhere you go. It's, that's not unique to the state of Illinois. And so when you use video and you think, you know, I love talking about thinking episodically, right? Kind of like Dorothy's podcast, right? Like, what are you creating that's not just a video, but it's a series of videos so that the people that are interested, you know, someone is going to listen to this podcast because they recognize my name, but then they're going to listen to to Dorothy's podcast over and over and over again because of what they heard through this collaboration. And if this was just a Oh, Chris, like, oh, it's so great to meet you. Let's do a video sometime. But there was nothing else beyond, you know, that conversation, then people wouldn't know how to work with Dorothy. Right. So because you are committed to creating content on a consistent basis and it has these consistent hooks from week to week to week, the same style of questions, you know, and then the hook with the the nonprofit that you want to support through the challenge and all of these different things, it's the repeatability. It's the episodic nature of what you're consuming that is going to keep people coming back. And then the depth of the relationship that you're able to build, you know, we're doing this, you know, of course, we're we're chatting on video so we can see each other, but you're listening through audio. You can really make that deep connection that's so much stronger than just seeing a banner ad on a website or even uh, reading a a really well-written blog post. Yeah, no, I I think that that's, that's really powerful. And I'm curious... You know, I'm curious what your strategies are for you know, creating consistent, engaging content. Because I know that this is probably a selfish question because it's something that I really struggle with. I mean, the podcast, I have systems around the podcast. You know, our episodes come out twice a week. You know, that that happens no matter what else is going on. But when it comes to, you know, putting out Instagram story content, you know, posting on my Facebook page regularly, engaging with people in, you know, our Facebook group. I really struggle with that because you know my time is being pulled in so many different directions. You know, I'm managing, uh, of course, you know my my clients uh, for my ad agency, and so that's something that I really struggle with. So, you know, what tips do you have for you know busy entrepreneurs who know the importance of creating this content but struggle with actually making that happen day to day? I don't think that the struggle should be creating content. I think that the, the the best kind of struggle to have is keeping up with the people who want to keep up with you, keeping up with the people who are reaching out and who want to engage with you, right? There's, there's no value in just kind of um, creating content for the sake of creating content. And I think maybe that's a, a pitfall that some people have fallen into over the last few years is you hear from all these different experts who say, you have to post on Facebook three times a day, or you have to post uh, you know, 10 tweets a week to be successful on Twitter. And that couldn't be further from the truth. What, what 
is, I think the truth is it's important to just like if somebody sends you an email or somebody leaves you a voice message on your phone to be responsive. And once you, once you adopt that as your mantra, you know, over the, the, the vapid necessity to just create content for the sake of creating content, then you start to think about your processes as to how you can maximize your responsiveness. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I do something called Twitter and... uh, Sorry, this is my fourth podcast of the day. (laughs) Twitter and treadmill. So I'll go down to the treadmill and I'll walk for as long as it takes. And sometimes that's been an excess of two hours to respond to everyone who sends me a tweet, you know, since the last time I did Twitter and treadmill. Same sort of um, advice for businesses. And I'm going to talk more extensively about this next week in my keynote at Social Media Day Houston, which is... I think the most important thing that you can do if you're trying to prioritize your time is listen to the messages that people are sending to you and also create a platform, create a content strategy that encourages people to want to share about what it is that you're doing. So, you know, when this podcast wraps up and Dorothy says like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to send you the link, you know, here's how you can share it out. Maybe there's, you know, she takes a screenshot of us on Zoom and, you know, send me, sends me that. It's, it's shifting the governance of that content creation about what you're doing from yourself to others, whether it's me, whether it's a listener, whether it's the people who are uh, encountering you out there in Illinois, you know, whatever it is, you want to make it as easy as possible for people to talk about you. It's a lot easier to hit that retweet button when you're getting compliments and things said about you than it is to, to sit there and talk about yourself all the time. You know, I'd much, much rather have 10 tweets from people saying how much they like the book than 500 tweets that I write about how great this book is. So when you can open up yourself to create content that is exciting and engaging and interesting enough that people want to talk about it themselves, and then you can set aside the time and you can prioritize listening to and valuing that feedback that you get, that's when you start to get more feedback. And that's when you make connections like Lauren Davis and you get invited to, to Rockford, Illinois and all of this stuff. So prioritize the people that want to be there for you instead of trying to win the content game and try and win more and more people through this excellent content that you're creating. Sorry, I, I talk a lot. No, that's that's incredible. I mean, it goes back to what we said right at the beginning of the show about how you know it's so important to remember that there are people behind these handles and to engage with those people who are engaging with you, who are you know showing interest in what you're doing is is critical. So I love the direction that you took that answer. And um, we are running out of time, unfortunately, but I want to take a few minutes to talk about what you're doing now with Giving Days. Could you share you know what that is? And- and you know, what you're working on? Absolutely. So over the last year, um, I've worked with three uh, different giving days around the country. Give for Good Louisville in Kentucky, the Big Give in San Antonio, and Give STL Day in St. Louis. And here's what I do. I will travel to these communities uh, the day before their, their 24-hour online giving day. I know that there are days out there. I know there's one in DeKalb County, for example. You know, there are giving days um, scattered throughout the year all around the United States, and they're starting to pop up around the world. And I'll actually go out there and play almost the Ryan Seacrest role or the the Dick Clark role, where I'll stand up and help these organizations create real-time content that encourages donors within their local community and around the world to support the organizations that are participating in these 
giving days. It's been really successful um, for all of the communities that I've participated in. St. Louis actually uh, jumped from $2.4 million to more than $3 million raised in one day. And we created more than two hours of live video content in St. Louis. In San Antonio, we created more than three hours of live video content um, that was all in the can and all live on their Facebook page by the time the clock struck midnight. So it's been really special um, to partner with these giving days to help them create this just massive, as Andrew and Pete would say, these attention spikes you know, for these communities, within these communities, and allow them to, to trend and to be that topic of conversation within that city or within that region um, on their giving day. It, it's such a fun job and it's such a blessing uh, to be part of every day that I, I get a chance to work. Absolutely incredible, Chris. Well, I'm just, I'm blown away by you and just the blessings that you're bringing to these organizations by sharing your talent uh, in in content creation and in just engaging uh, engaging your audience is, is absolutely phenomenal. So I want to wrap it up by asking you, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, a business owner who is, you know, maybe producing content, uh, video content, even producing live video content, you know, what advice or just one or two quick tips can you give them to amplify what they're already doing and reach more people who are interested in their message? You know, here's what, here's where I'm going to take this. I was at social media week Lima this week and one of my best uh, friends and one of the best speakers I've ever heard, his name is Brian Fanzo. And Brian on stage offered this line that I had never heard him say before, but I think it's, I tweeted that I think it's the best thing that he's ever said on stage. And he said this, instead of taking all of the lessons that you've learned this week and trying to find new customers, take all of these tools and technologies and use them to activate and to better engage with the customers that you already have. There is so much content out there. There's so much noise. There's so many podcasts and so many videos out there that it's really going to be impossible, especially for a local business, to create content that's going to be better, so to speak, that's more watchable, say, than something that Jimmy Fallon is going to create or Seth Meyers or some of these YouTubers, right? Without an enormous investment in time and energy, you're not going to top their style of content. What you can do is top the engagement and top the heart and soul that you have within your local community. So take those 15 or 20 viewers and ask yourself, how can I better serve those people who are downloading my podcast every single time? And suddenly you see that those people will turn into your biggest advocates, your biggest fans. And that is where your community will start to grow. Not through the work that you're putting out there, but through the advocates that you're creating by better supporting those who are already in your corner. Absolutely amazing. And the beauty in what you just said is that when you do that, when you focus on the people who you know are already there and you serve them better, that is when you start to attract more people like that to you. And so, you know, in the beginning, like when I first started this podcast and I was sitting there, you know, looking at my 15 downloads an episode and and feeling discouraged. I really I got some great advice from from some mentors of mine that was really just to, you know, don't don't worry about the numbers, just focus on creating great content. Focus on delivering a phenomenal show. And it was once I did that, once I took my eyes off of what are really vanity metrics and just focused on making the podcast as as great as it could be, 
that was when I, you know, broke out of that, you know, 15, 20 downloads an episode. And it started to grow and grow and grow and grow to where, you know, here I am now a year later. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that it's, it's really powerful. You know, when you just focus on delivering that quality, delivering that great experience to the people who, you know, are, are paying you or are, you know, consuming what you're putting out, um, that is what gives you that power to be able to expand and grow because you're focusing on the right thing. You're focusing on quality. I think the phrase and the refrain, and I know we're going, we're going way over time because I just love to talk. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> the, the phrase that I love to go back to is that we are all famous to a few people. And when you remember that, when you remember that you're speaking to real people, like we've been talking about this whole episode, that's what's most important. And my friend Jay Bear uh, uses this, this phrase as well, that you want to work towards being somebody's favorite. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing, I can only work so hard. You know what I mean? I can only do so much to create. I can only do so much to advocate for myself. I can only do so much to, to email and, and do outreach. But if someone is having a conversation with Dorothy next week, and asked her about her podcast. And I'm like, all right, Dorothy, who's the best podcast guest you've ever had? My goal is for her to say Chris Strub, right? Hey, Lauren Davis, like who's the best social media speaker you've ever seen? I need that answer to be me. You know what I mean? So you need to go above and beyond. You want to grow these relationships and stop thinking about social media as a binary equation where either I have you or I don't have you. That's not the way it is, right? I want... The next time I see Dorothy, I want her to do backflips to come over and give me a hug because this conversation moved her so much and moved her audience. That's really what it's about. It, it's about those reaction spikes. It's about the depth of the relationship, the respect, the appreciation that you have for someone. And there's no limit when you stop thinking about it as black or white and you start thinking about it from, say, zero to 100 instead. You know, how can we build those relationships with our customers that every single one of those 20 people that listen to what I do or they're watching my video, they want to jump and scream from the rooftops about how exciting uh, an opportunity it was to, to be there. Well, Chris, you are certainly bringing the value and, and doing that in, in not only this podcast, but really everything that I see you doing. So... Thank you for that. And I can't think of a better way to wrap up the show than to ask about your nomination for the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. So for anyone listening who is new to the podcast, uh, this is where I encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by my guests. So Chris, tell me who you're nominating and why it's so meaningful to you. This is one of the hardest podcast prep questions I've ever gotten <laughs> because I've worked with so many different nonprofits around the country. You know, you reference Big Brothers Big Sisters as well and I'm so grateful and I'm I'm going to tear up again just thinking about your response there. But the nonprofit that I I chose was the Salvation Army USA. Um, you know, in 2017 I had a chance to work with them on what we called the Fight for Good tour, which I look at as kind of the sequel to 50 States, 100 Days. And I got to road trip from Houston to New York City um, in kind of a zigzag fashion through 25 states and meet so many incredible human beings that uh, represent the army um, tirelessly and without any sort of need for any sort of appreciation or attention every single day. People running food banks, people spending time here in Greenville, South Carolina, um, in the woods, trying to build relationships with homeless people, uh, people working with kids uh, you know, who are disadvantaged every single day. 
And so, you know, I hope that your listeners and, and the folks that are, are, are consuming this, this podcast here know how, how much uh, wonderful work is being done by the Salvation Army, you know, in their community, because the Salvation Army, as uh, you may or may not know, is active in every single zip code in America. So wherever you're listening from, yeah, I didn't, th- that blew my mind when I heard it too. Crazy. Every zip code in America is touched by the Salvation Army. So no matter where you're listening from, there's an army nearby you uh, where your dollars are going to go help support. Oh, that's just wonderful. Well, Chris, we'll link to uh, the Salvation Army and where you can go support in the show notes. I just want to thank you so much for doing this with me today. I know it has been illuminating for me and will be for our listeners as well. So thank you again for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'll see you again soon. And Monday, July 29th is my mom's 60th birthday. And my mom will be here visiting Greenville, South Carolina on her birthday. The book is dedicated to my mom, who is just the most wonderful human being on earth. So when you say the words July 29th, I hope if you're listening to this on July 29th, maybe you take a second to tweet to me and say, happy birthday, Jane, and I will be sure to screenshot it um, over to her. Um, But (laughs) there you go. Um, That's amazing. If you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, please do that. Tweet Chris. Is it at Chris Strub? That's right. That's it. Or send me a message on Instagram and I'll make sure I show it to her before she flies back up to New York. Amazing. Thank you, Chris. All right, everyone. That's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you.